Amen. You guys can have a seat. What a transition. It's a first for me. It's a first for you, I'm sure. Um, I'm excited to teach today, and uh, I've never actually went from leading to teaching, so I'm thinking, how can we do this in a smart way? Obviously, we're having a little bit of, I just want to like talk about the elephant in the room. Our lights aren't working like they should be, so that's why I feel like I'm up here in the dark. So uh, we've got the house lights on for you guys. Hopefully, I don't know how to help you on the live stream. You probably can't see me at all, but maybe you can listen. Um, but no, I'm excited to be here today. I hope you guys have had a great weekend. I hope you got a lot of rest and stayed healthy. Like Monique said, we have a lot of people that I know are sick. And man, if I can just be honest, I'm, I'm over it. And I just want people to be healthy and whole. Um, for me, I, Ash and I got to attend the leadership conference this weekend. And it was just a refreshing time for us. A lot of things just to pray through and just had a great time of worship. And we got to eat some good food, which is always a plus. And for all the parents out there, this is a big moment for amens. We had babysitters. My mom really helped us out this weekend. So if you're you young kids and you know how hard it is to find babysitters, we were blessed in that. That's a chance for all the parents to say amen for babysitters. So do this for me. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. We're going to have uh, just a moment of reading a really short text. That's our main text today. And then we're going to have some time um, where we talk about, as Austin said earlier, honor. And um, yeah, I'm not going to go into bowing and then punching somebody in the face. That's not where the message is going to go. So, um, But Romans chapter 12, verse 10 is where we're going to start today. And this passage is written specifically um, to Christians. So I want to say this, if, you're, if you had checked that box today and say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, this is not an optional passage for us today. Let me just kind of preface by saying that. And then if you're not a Christian, you're saying, hey, I'm just checking this out, or I'm just still trying to figure out faith. This, nonetheless, will add value to your life. Um, and I believe it's an important lesson for each of us, no matter where you are in your life today. So Romans chapter 12, verse 10, I want to read this for us um, really fast. It says this, love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. Another way of saying that is be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourselves. I really like the translation of outdo one another with honor. I think that says it more plainly and more clearly for what we really should be doing. And I want to say this too. I don't think that my job today is to get up here and make a case for how we have maybe lost the value of honor in our culture. Does that make sense? I think if we were all be honest about where we are and what we see in the world today, we see that we have really lost the value of honor. And even though that word honor is not one that you or I probably use on a day-to-day basis, I don't know the last time I looked at somebody said, I really want to honor you today, or how can I honor you today? It's just not a word we really use, but we know what it feels like when we're honored, and we know what it feels like when we're dishonored. And maybe even now you're thinking of a time whenever you were dishonored, or maybe you dishonored somebody and how that felt. And when we're dishonored, we can, feel, we can feel unloved, we can feel not valued, we can feel unseen, and we can feel unheard. And so today, my hope in this talk about honor and how important it is, is that we would see as a church that, hey, even in the church, we're not doing this the right way. Like, let me just put that out for you. The church isn't even leading the way with honor And so that's kind of my hope today is that we see that how important this is. We have this command, but yet we live in a culture and in a world that has seemed, they've just seemed to abandon this value of honor. And I want to define a few words for us today to help us. 
So one word I want to define is this, contempt. So when we're talking about dishonoring or we talk about contempt, that's another word we don't really use. But contempt is this. Contempt is the feeling that someone else is beneath consideration or that they're worthless. It's a pretty pretty bold stance to have for another human being. And contempt is when we devalue someone and then we justify it in our hearts. I don't know if you've ever done this before or maybe seen this done, but it's something that happens on a regular basis. And examples of this, I mean, the easiest example is if you have social media. This is like clear as day. Every time you get on, you see somebody with like a different political view. And most of the time, we don't think about that person think, man, they're pretty logical. They make a lot of sense. I see how they got there. No, we tend to think about them and put them on a lower a lower rank. Uh, we do this with people who maybe have different religious positions or even theological positions than us. This is where it kind of plays into the church of like, well, they worship differently than we do. They're a little bit too free. They're a little bit too conservative. I can't believe they let that person preach. This is where these things begin to kind of creep in for us. We do this for people who have different, um, different status as far as those who are rich and those who are poor. Um, we do this for even family, people in our own family that they're maybe the troublemakers or the ones that we just don't really want to tell people, hey, I'm related to that person. Let's just keep that under wraps. That's where contempt can so easily slip in our hearts, and we have to be careful because then it can so easily come out of our mouths. And so for us as Christians, this is one of those things where you have to say, how, how do we as Christians live in an honorable way towards one another? And one of the stories that I was thinking about as far as honor and, and a clear example of honor and dishonor is a story in Luke chapter 15. I'm not going to read this for you because you've all heard it more than likely, but the story of the prodigal son which just to give you a brief overview, it's about these two sons. The younger son goes to the dad and says, Dad, I don't want to wait for my inheritance. I want it now. You'd be better off dead. This was, in their culture, one of the most dishonorable things he could have done to his father. And what he does is he takes the money, and we know that he kind of squanders it. He wastes it on wild living and does all these crazy things, and he wakes up and realizes, what have I done? I've made a terrible mistake. And he goes back home, we see this amazing picture of the father embrace him as he comes home, which is really a picture for how the Lord sees us when we're wayward. But yet, the really important thing to see how contempt works is to notice what the older brother does in the story. The older brother is a perfect example to see how contempt can look in our lives. The older brother sees him when he comes home, and he sees the party that his dad throws, and he's thinking, I've been working for you this whole time. He doesn't deserve this. He, he's already, the older brother has already devalued the younger brother because of what he's done. And so that's a, a kind of an easy story for us to look at and see. This is how contempt looks in our lives. This is how it's fleshed out. And it's even fleshed out in multiple stories biblically. So I want to just kind of start with this, this big idea today that this. As Christians, we are to honor one another and to restore a culture of honor to those around us. So as Christians, we're to honor one another, which is what the text says. But I believe we're also to restore a culture of honor to those around us. So I want to define two other words that I I hope will be helpful for us today. One is this. One is glory, and then I want to define honor. So glory is this. Glory is the implicit value that something possesses. And honor is the recognition of of that value or that contribution or the importance of another. So glory does not depend on you recognizing it. An example is this. God is glorious. Amen? 
Amen. We just sang about his glory and how, how good he is, and we want to become more aware of that. His glory exists regardless of if you or I recognize that. Do you know that? He is glorious whether you sing it or not. You singing him being glorious doesn't actually make him more glorious. Okay? Honor, though, is when you recognize it. Glory is the intrinsic value. It's what God is. Honor is when we recognize that. And as Christians, we have to come to a place of rightly seeing and rightly valuing the inherent worth of God, but also of others. That is when we know we're living in an honorable way, when we're living in the way of honor. So glory is what something possesses honor as our recognition of that. And here's the real truth. The world will never adopt the way of Jesus. Did you know that? The world's never going to wake up tomorrow. They're never going to wake up and say, man, you know, like the way we've been doing this just isn't working anymore. And there's this guy named Jesus who seemed to have this way of life. We should like pay attention to that. The world will never do that. And so as Christians and as followers of Jesus, it's our job to live out the gospel. That's what we're supposed to do, not just because somebody stands on a stage each week and tells you to go be, an, be a missionary or be an example wherever you are. No, it's so you can actually show the world a better way to live and, and show them what will bring them true salvation. So the world will never do this on their own, so Christians have to take the lead in this area. They're never going to wake up and say, man, we're just not really not honoring each other well. So we as Christians have to do this. And the amazing thing about the Bible is um, the fact that this, this is one long story about Jesus and who he was and who he still is today and that he died on a cross to save us and he lived on the earth to show us a better way to live. That's what the story is about. But as we read the story, and if you were to take the overarching narrative of Scripture, you would see this is about Jesus, but yet there are these themes that pop up over and over and over throughout Scripture, and honor is one of these themes that continue to pop up. So what I want to do today, and I think for us to really understand how important this should be in our lives and yet how important it is to the heart of God, we need to kind of look at Scripture as, we're not going to look at every Scripture like Austin said, there's like 147 of them, so we don't have time for that today, but I have a couple that I just want to walk us through that will give us an idea and a picture of how important honor really is to, to the heart of God. And before we do that, I just want to give you this quote that I think is a killer quote from an awesome book that you need to read called Beautiful Resistance by John Tyson. And Tyson says this. He says, honor is the operating system of the kingdom of God. Honor is the operating system of the kingdom of God. It's how it works. That honor is how the kingdom of God works. Every one of you have a phone, you have a tablet, you have a computer. They all run off of an operating system. That's when you get those little updates. This is how the kingdom of God works. Honor is the operating system. It's how it works and it's how it has to work in our life. So let's get into these scriptures a little bit. You don't need to, to turn to these in your Bible because I have like seven of them. That's going to take a lot of time. I have them on the screen for you today, so you can say thank you afterwards and uh, go look at sermon notes after this, uh, this sermon too. So the first one I want to I bring out is this creation. Let's just start from the beginning. The first example, <laughs> we'll start at the beginning example from the beginning. So creation, Isaiah 43, 20 says, The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to drink, to give drink to my chosen people. So look, even creation honors God. We see this. This is not the only scripture this is referenced in, but we see this example in scripture where creation itself honors God. So if creation does it, Things that don't even have a conscious do it, that should be a pretty good, 
pretty good example for us to follow. Second one, these imagine this as being a funnel. These get a little bit more personal each time, so we're going to just kind of dive into it. Second one is this governing authorities. So they're our favorite people, right? Like you just, you love all your authorities and they're great all the time. They are great people and we should honor them. And Romans 13, 7 tells us why. It says, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. So honor to who is honored owed. Like our governing authorities deserve your honor. Doesn't mean you always have to like what comes out or the laws that are made. Doesn't change that we, as followers of Jesus, are actually commanded to honor our governing authorities. Another one that's uh, a big one in Scripture, and I understand the position I'm in and the position you're in, so please hear me out. This is not a self-serving passage. But leaders and teachers in the church, 1 Timothy 5, 17 through 18 says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the Scripture says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. So I'm not saying that from a place of trying to get you to honor me more, although the Scripture does say double honor. So that's something that we as followers of Jesus, and if we take this seriously, we really need to pay attention to that. I just want you to know this, that many times uh, I think Christians can miss the fact that pastors and leaders in the church, they're just regular people. We don't possess any kind of supernatural powers that you don't. Uh, You may have a, a good leader or whatnot, but we don't have anything that you don't have. We're just people. And, and for my story, you have to know that I grew up, many of you do know this, but I grew up with a, a dad who was a pastor who was in ministry for most of my life. And I got to see a lot of things from kind of the, the backseat view. I got to see how, how the church can respond to things. And not all bad. Don't, don't hear me out. The story isn't all bad. But there are times that I think pastors take on more than they should. They feel pressure from the outside. They also feel pressure from the inside, though to kind of put on for their church and, and feel like they have to be something that maybe they just struggle being. And we have to know from the pastoral level and just the regular, hey, I want to attend your church. Like, I want to honor you, though. And so pastors and leaders in the church, they are, they're worthy of double honor, and we should honor our pastors. And we as pastors need your grace and your prayers. If you see a pastor struggling, whether it's it's me or someone else or anyone else, please go to that person and say, hey, can I, can I pray for you about something? I see this. Can I pray for you? That's honoring that leader. So that is an important thing for us as Christians. Another one is this in marriage. First uh, Peter 3, 7 says this, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So you have to understand this passage, when we talk about honor, what something that seems just normal for us would not have been normal for them in this time period. We live in a day and age to where men and women, for the most part, we look at each other pretty equally. In this day and age, women were basically put on the same level as slaves. This would have flew in the face of everything they knew culturally. So you have to read that in context as everything in this passage. And I think this is a clear example for why some marriages are really struggling today. And let's just call it for what it is. It's a very simple rule. We're not always honoring one another. And I love that Peter says this so simply. He says, live with your wives in an understanding way. Men, let's just have a chat for just a moment. If you are in a place to where you feel like your marriage just isn't where you thought it would be, 
and you and your wife can't seem to communicate. You don't feel like she's honoring you. You know you're not honoring her. Let's, let's go and look at this verse. Live with your wives in an understanding way. What that means is spend time with your wife. Honor her. Spend time with her. Some of you, and I know I can be guilty of this, you, want, you, you enjoy being with the guys, spending time together with your friends. That's all important. And you should take time for those things as well. But we should also live with our wives. Many of you, if I were to ask you, I'd say, what does she like to do? I don't know, man. Like, she just, I don't know what she likes. Well, let's look at that again. Live with your wives in an understanding way. Let's, let's spend time with our wives. Let's figure out what she likes to do. And if you're questioning that, let me just give you a little bit of advice. Not that I know everything, so know this. But just sit down and ask her, because I guarantee if she asks her, she'll tell you. She'll tell you what she likes. She'll tell you what she doesn't like. She'll tell you what she needs. And she'll tell you what she doesn't need. And so for you today, if you're a husband and you're thinking, I just really don't feel like we're getting this honor thing in our marriage, and I know it's important, but I don't know how to do this. Let's start with being with her. Let's honor her with your time, with your commitments. Let's try and understand what she likes, what she dislikes. And there's this really interesting phrase at the end of the verse that I think is really powerful. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Another way of saying that is so that the Lord will hear your prayers. So it's interesting to hear how that is kind of tied to the way you honor your wife. Honoring one another can transform your marriage. It really can. So that's an important thing for marriages. And then another example is for students. Students and kids, you knew this was coming. You're like, oh, he's just for the adults. This is for, no, they have something for you guys too. So Ephesians 6.1 says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, and you may live long in the land. I think if I were to ask every one of you today, do you want to live a long and good life? Yes. You're like, yeah, I want to live a long and good life. I want a great life. Yes, you want a great life. Well, people in the world, and you all know this, they do all kinds of things to live a long and great life. They go to school. They pursue degrees. They try and make a lot of money. They invest in all these things, and those are all great. You should do all those things, but it's interesting that your life And how you live a good life is also tied to how you honor your mom and your dad. A couple of little quick things is this. Remember to say thanks. Remember to say thanks. Your parents sacrifice a ton for you guys. They sacrifice time and money and sleep when you're, maybe not now, but I have a three-year-old and a one-year-old and one on the way in May. I'm sacrificing a lot of sleep. I'm hoping they they remember this in the future and like, man, he, he didn't get a lot of sleep, you know, when he was 30. No, he didn't. He sacrificed a lot. Remember to say thanks. Remember to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. Like these, these little things that, are, that we think are little are actually really important to God's heart and how you respond and live your life with your parents. Another thing that's just really simple is this remembering to say, I'm sorry, without having been hunted down to say, hey, I know you did this. No, it's you stepping up and saying, hey, I'm going to own my failures here. I messed up and I'm sorry. Doing that shows, it it puts you in your place and shows your mom and dad that, hey, I actually respect you as my parent and the authority you have over me. So these are just little things that, again, as I was going through these and and reading all of these verses that we can so easily read children, honor your parents, and just kind of gloss over and be like, we know that in our heads, but miss it in our hearts. So another example is this 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. This is just talking about our bodies. It says, flee from sexual immorality. 
Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. See, it flies in the face of everything culture says today. Culture says you're, you're your own. You do what you want to do. You do it how you want to do it. As long as you don't hurt anybody else, you just be happy, and we're good. But honestly, when it comes into these hard topics of things like sexual immorality and just what we do with our bodies, it's really important to the heart of God that we honor him. And Scripture says that if we do that, we sin against ourselves. So we have to honor God. We also have to honor ourselves with what we're doing with our body, what, how we're handling even our sexuality, things that are hard topics in the church that we want to shy away from. But it's plain in Scripture that, hey, we have to honor God here. We can't just do what feels good all the time. We have to think about, okay, what would honor God and how can I live that way? And the last thing, if we're not personal enough, we'll get into just one more thing that can really, you know, be a little personal is our money our wealth, and this is more of a confession time for me than anything, so know that I'm not up here as, as an authority of saying that I'm handling this well all the time, but Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says this, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. As I thought about this verse, I said, well, I can't say that many people don't have barns in the room because I know there are people in the room with barns. I don't have a barn, but many of you have a barn, but I guarantee you none of us have vats. And regardless of your opinion on wine, if you like it or you dislike it, I think what this verse is saying this, look, honor God with what he's given you because your money is not yours. Your wealth is not yours. It's what he's blessed you with. Honor him with your money. Also honor him with your first fruits. Don't wait till the end to say, well, we'll see what we have left here. No, honor him in the beginning. Honor him with the money he's blessed you with, and your barns will be full. Your vats will be full. It means that you'll have blessing on your life. Now, this isn't some kind of sly way to, to teach some prosperity gospel, but it's saying this. Look, your life will be blessed if you honor God with your wealth. He will take care of you because you're honoring him. So these are just examples in Scripture that I, I wanted to read over us so we can see the whole breadth of honor and why it's important and, and that it's not just one little verse. It's like honor yourselves and honor others. No, there, this is a, a whole narrative in Scripture. So to go back to that John Tyson quote, remember this honor is the operating system of the kingdom of God. That's clear now, right? That we can see honor is important to the heart of God. So how do we do this? How do we really do this? Because it's one thing for me to get up here and teach on it, and you say, yeah, I, I know that it's important, and I need to be doing better in this area or that area. But how do we really do it? I think a great example, and the best example of any time we look at, at something from the Bible is to look at Jesus. Like as simple as that is, he is our best example. And so I want you to flip over to John 8, 1 through 11. And let's read this passage together where we can clearly see Jesus honoring somebody and being a model for us. So John 8, 1 through 11. All right, so the text says this. This is why the lights are important. I got to come out, come out here to read a little bit now. 
It says they, they went each to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? And they said this to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. So Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw the stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with a woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Now, this is, again, is a passage that many of you have probably read your whole life. If you've grown up in church, you've heard this story. And I also want to say this, that Jesus gives us this, this really clear picture of what we've talked about in the past, invitation and challenge. He invites this woman to live this new life, and he challenges her, now go and sin no more. And we also see Jesus honor this lady. We know that she's guilty. Like, it's not that she's been accused of this. No, she's been caught in this. We know it. And we also know that in our day and age, when we see somebody like that, we can tend to have contempt again in our hearts for them. Well, they've done it. They deserve this. And yet Jesus gives us a different way to look. Jesus sees somebody who is called in adultery, and he sees what the Pharisees fail to see every time. If you want to know what contempt looks like, just read about the Pharisees. Read about how they, they put themselves above everyone else because no one could ever match their level of holiness. That's what contempt looks like. That's what dishonor looks like. And Jesus sees past that. You know what Jesus sees? He sees in that lady what he sees in each of us. He sees a lost soul that needs direction and a savior. And he says, woman, I don't condemn you. Yeah, what you're doing is wrong. Now I want you to go and live your life differently. He honored her. He doesn't give her a pat on the back. He doesn't say, it's okay, just keep on doing what you're doing. I love you and it'll be fine. No, he gives her a challenge. He says, go and sin no more. But do you know what he sees? He sees somebody who could never offer, who, who what they do and what they don't do will never be good enough. It is what he sees on the inside. And I have to say this for you today. This is a, a simple but profound thing to think about if you let it sit with you. There's nothing that any of us could ever do that's good enough to deserve God's love. You on your own, it's never good enough. He doesn't see you for that, though. He sees you for who you are. And some of you may be in the room right now thinking, man, I, I kind of feel like that lady. I, I kind of feel like he's read my mail, like he knows what's going on. And he does. He knows you. And what you can offer him will never be good enough. We can never offer it enough on our own. But he doesn't see us for that. He's a good father. He sees us for who we are. And he calls us to greater things because of that. So as we just read that story and we think about, okay, this is how Jesus honors people. How, how do you think we should respond in a day and age to where we don't see honor handled well? We don't see honor at all. If anything, we're living in dishonor. We're living in a, in a way that, 
is contrary to the way of Jesus. So how should Christians respond when we see this? In your workplace, like don't answer it out loud, but think about this, write it down. How, how do I respond tomorrow morning when I get to the office and I want, like I get that email and I just have contempt in my heart for that person? Because I know that my work is much better than their work. And, you know, I am much better than them or I'm on a higher pedestal than they are. Like what, what would the world be like if Christians really grasp this, this whole culture of honor? What would it look like in the church if we honored one another? Instead of, instead of letting something continue to kind of roll on, roll on, and you've got this contempt that's building up in your heart, and you're like, I'm not really cool with this person, but I'm in community group with them, and like they keep saying this stuff, and it just makes me mad. And, but what would it like if we just went to that person and said, hey, I see this, and I, I want to honor you. Like, how can, we, how can we be okay? How can we talk about this and, and be in an honorable place with one another? I think it could change everything for us. And I think reading stories like this story in John 8 is a great example of just how Jesus modeled it for us. And we have no out whenever you say you're a follower of Jesus. We have no out to say, well, I'm just not going to, like, honor that person or those people anymore. Like, they have lost all. Like, we don't have that opportunity to do that. So as we bring this to a close, and we think, I want you to think on these questions, and I want you just to... Nick, if you could put that quote back up on the screen just for us to read it one more time. The honor is the operating system of the kingdom of God. It's how, it's the filter that we look through now. You've heard this, you've read it, now we all are, are, we're all held accountable to it. It's been taught, there's no way to run from it now. It's like imagine everybody, most of you have Instagram and you like filters. That's the filter that I want on your life. When you look at somebody, I don't want you to look at them based on what they do based on what they can bring to you, how they can serve you. I want you to honor them based on who they are. And Jesus honors people not for what they do. He honors them because they're image bearers. Because we're all made in the image of God, so we deserve honor. So I want to pray for us this morning and just ask the Lord, because I feel like a heaviness in the room. I just want to ask the Lord to lead us as we even close the service today and as we think about what these words, the implications they have on our life. So Jesus, we need you this morning. I know that even in my study and just preparation for today and thinking about the times that I've gotten this so wrong, how I say things out of immaturity at times, and I say things really with no no hatred in my heart, but they come out wrong and they dishonor the person in front of me. And I just, I know that's not your heart, Lord. And so would you help me? Would you help us think about the words that we say, think about the things that we hide in our hearts, would you think? Would you help us think about how we can honor the person in front of us, whether we like them or not, whether we agree with them or not? How can we honor them? And Lord, I pray that messages like this and topics like this that we wouldn't shy away from them. That when they're hard, that we'd press in and we'd confess when we need to confess, and we would we would ask you to help us grow. And so, just as this local church body, Lord, I pray that you would help us understand honor in our context. Help us honor one another. Help us outdo one another with honor. God, would you help us see the importance of it? Would you give us your heart and your vision for this? And would you change us? It's in your name we pray. Amen.